0: Be honest with your team. If you are going along a leadership journey and you're transforming yourself as a leader, tell them that is big and it's real and it's very impactful to the team.
1: Business owners are problem solvers, but who do you turn to
0: when you can't find a solution? And what if the biggest problem is you? Because the only way that they're going to change is if they see you changing and you taking that risk and you going through the discomfort and you being scared as a leader. That's the only way they're going to do it if you ask them to.
1: Welcome to season three of Grit and Growth from Stanford Seat. The podcast where Africa and South Asia's intrepid entrepreneurs share their trials and triumphs with insights from Stanford faculty and global experts on how to tackle challenges and grow your business. Let's imagine you're driving in a foreign city and you're lost. The landmarks don't mean anything. The street signs are in a different language. You've got a map but you can't check it. You've got to keep your eyes on the road. Traffic's moving fast and there's no place to pull over. There are scooters in your blind spot, cars speeding by, and people are honking at you. That's sometimes how it can feel to be a CEO. You're in unfamiliar territory trying to find your way before you crash. Now, wouldn't it be nice to have a local guide in your car? Someone who's been there before. That's the value of a business coach, a guide who can help you navigate the unknown. Today's episode is the story of a business leader from Kenya and the Silicon Valley coach that changed his life and also her own. I wanted to share this story with you today because right now Stanford Seed is recruiting coaches to support the amazing founders and CEOs that go through our programs. So if you like what you hear, stick around after the episode to find out more about the Seed Coach application process or visit stanfordseed.co forward slash Coaching. It just so happens that the coach in this story is an old friend of ours, a very talented old friend. Hi, Lori.
0: Hi, Darius.
1: (laughs) So we'll do do the the traditional, could you introduce yourself, soundbite.
0: So my name is Lori Fuller. I am a proud coach, certified executive coach with Stanford Seed, based in Nairobi, Kenya, and I am also active in venture investing.
1: Longtime Grit and Growth listeners may recognize that name. Lori was a founding member of our podcast team and a producer on Seasons 1 and 2. She's also a strategic advisor, investor, board member, and an incredible business coach. She's mentored founders and CEOs across multiple continents from all kinds of industries, and she's one of our most celebrated seed coaches. But Lori doesn't do it for the acclaim.
0: Well, I think what's most important is to really understand What are you passionate about and what drives you? And so a few years in, I realized that I really had a passion for learning, but then there's an element at some point in your life of give back. And while these other opportunities I did learn and they were great experiences, I felt that I could be better served looking at an opportunity to have a more direct impact and a more direct give back to a community. And really, coaching has been an incredible way for me to do that.
1: Let's dig into a little bit about coaching now. Why do entrepreneurs need a coach? Or why might they need a coach?
0: Well, I think that being a startup is really fulfilling because you're growing and building a business. But it is complicated, and there are challenges. And so during the journey, I believe many entrepreneurs find it helpful to seek out a sounding board, and often they say, it's lonely at the top. And so when I'm looking at clients, I say, think of me as your one-person board.
1: You don't have to take Lori's word for it. Just ask someone she's coached. How would you pitch to them the value of a coach? Priceless. That's Kunal.
2: My name is Kunal Roch. I'm the CEO of Healthy U.
1: Kunal is a former coachee of Lori's an experience that clearly left its mark.
2: It's something that will help you with in every walk of your life. Your communication with your company, with your, with your colleagues, with your family. I think I'm, I'm able to now have better conversations with them. It's a game changer. It's something that everyone should pursue.
1: The story of Kunal and Laurie's coaching journey actually starts long before either of them were involved in Healthy You.
2: So it's a family-run business. We are a retail and distribution chain based out in East Africa for health and wellness. That's basically food supplements, sports nutrition, natural cosmetics, organic foods, free-from-foods. So anything that kind of you'd find in your equivalents of a Whole Foods or a Sprouts in the U.S. It started out in 1985 and it was basically the brainchild of of my mother. Of course, at that point, you know, there was a lack of awareness, and of course, pricing was very, very high. So just to make ends meet, they used to sell Heinz baked beans, Kellogg's cornflakes, again, just (laughs) just to ensure that-
1: Not your traditional healthy foods, but they do move, they move off the shelf. (laughs) Kunal's family has been in Kenya for four generations, but that's not where he imagined his future.
2: I actually moved to England when I was 13. So I went to boarding school, so at a very young age, and I ended up working in the city in London, and I actually worked for a clearing and derivatives trading house. And so my dream was always, I guess, to pursue a career in finance in trading. And I had no intention of of ever moving back to Kenya.
1: But one day, Kunal got a call that changed his perspective.
2: So it was... On my way home, sitting on the train, my mom's had a horrendous day at work um, and she sounds extremely upset. And I'm trying to prod her you know, with questions and she's giving me one liners back and she's, you know, she turns around to me and says, I want to sell the business. And I'm like, what do you mean you want to sell the business? And she just said, I'm tired. I'm tired of doing all of this alone and I feel like there's no help. So we left the conversation like that, and I, I remember I couldn't sleep the entire evening. I woke up the next morning, and I resigned.
1: Wait, wait, wait. You drove into your probably nice office in London Financial District, and you walked into your supervisor's office, and you said, I quit?
2: Literally said that, yeah. So that was the end of that. And it was just a kind of impromptu decision.
1: Was it always the plan that you would eventually become CEO? Was that understood?
2: No, it was never discussed.
1: So when you came back in 2014, what role did you take up?
2: Procurement and supply chain. I was actually not even allowed to sit on the main table with the executive team. I had to earn the right to sit on the executive team.
1: Okay, so you're you're the kid. You're not allowed at the executive table. You're observing the business. What did you think were the challenges facing the business?
2: I think it was accountability. When I came in, there was a level that I wanted to take the business to, which was now putting more formalized structures in place, more processes in place. So when I talk about accountability, what I'm referring to is, you know, if someone says that I want to give this to you next week, the deadline is next week. It's not four weeks from now. There was never any deadlines. There was no structure in the way things were working. And so that's where my frustration came in.
1: Kunal also observed a lack of trust and an inability to delegate.
2: I think when you start off a business as an entrepreneur, you're so used to doing everything yourself. And so when you get to a certain size, it also becomes a little difficult to let go. Like my mom was doing almost everything.
1: So a lack of accountability meant that work wasn't getting done. A lack of delegation meant that your mom felt all the stress of the work not getting done. And it seems like the business relied really heavily on individuals. So if somebody was to leave, that would just leave a big hole in the business, right? You were, you were head of procurement at that
2: time still. Yeah, so I mean, I could not go on holiday and not open my laptop and, and work. I had to ensure that orders were going out and containers were getting cleared. And so the idea was, and I always said this to myself, was that I've got to get to a point where I can actually take a two-week break and not have to worry about, about work. And so that's the level I wanted us to get to.
1: These problems were holding Healthy You back from its potential to grow.
2: When we realized that, look, if we want to scale, we need to change culture. And there's going to have to be you know, a very different mindset here because we can't keep working like this. We're, we're, there's going to come a point where we're going to hit a plateau.
1: I originally saw coaching as a quick fix, a shortcut to success.
2: Do you know, I always thought that a coach would be there just to help you with my business and that was it.
1: They'll roll up their sleeves and solve problems for you, you mean?
2: <laughs> right, that's what I thought. Yeah, I thought that they would come in and with their expertise, they would they'd tell me this 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 is what's wrong with your business and let's implement and let's execute and let's move on.
1: Getting a coach was part of buying culture.
2: Right. Was bringing in discipline Come in and fix this. (laughs) It was, yeah.
1: Yeah. But that's not how Lori operates.
0: So I definitely start by saying I'm not a consultant, right? Which a lot of entrepreneurs and leaders perhaps are more familiar with generally. And what that means is I'm not going to roll up my sleeves and go in and actually do work for you. So I'm not going to create your strategic plan. I'm not going to create your marketing plan. I'm not going to create your cash flow uh, statement. And so that's a really different resource that can be helpful but isn't what a coach is. A coach is really a collaborator, a connector, a cheerleader, and really focused on being able to support you but we're not actually producing those deliverables that a consultant would do.
1: Coaches are great at dealing with problems like delegation precisely because they won't do things for you.
0: You can't just walk to someone's desk and say, here, do this. I want it by this time. Right? There's more to it. And sometimes as leaders, we want to do things quickly. We want the easy way out. But if you want something to sustain and be successful, there's still an investment on your side to make sure that it can happen properly.
1: So making that work, if that's the challenge you're helping them with, I mean, that includes accountability structures, KPIs, right, targets. Like you actually need to have goal setting. Everyone needs to be aware of what they're responsible
0: for. You have to have a way to check in. People think of soft skills, like maybe delegation is a soft skill, but it actually does have an underlying process that helps you be more successful. You know, do you have a clear strategy? Do you have an organizational design which is clear from a reporting perspective, from a role and responsibility perspective? Do you have some kind of culture of debate, right? You need some foundational elements in place. So those are things that we have to work on.
1: But often the real issues are hidden deep beneath the surface, in those initial conversations, do you often find that what the coachee really wants to work on may not necessarily be the most important thing? And there's there's kind of a process of getting on a journey together to kind of rethink or reevaluate what's the most important thing they need to work on with you.
0: Absolutely. So you go in, you talk for the first time to an entrepreneur, and they're often saying, my team isn't doing this, my team isn't doing that, I wish my team were doing this and that. And my response back is, well, what about you? What are you doing or not doing? Because sometimes we forget as the leader or the founder that we've developed a relationship with these individuals, with these team members. And based on our actions and what we say, we are training them and they're behaving because they're reacting to what we do first. But hold the mirror up to yourself first. Let's understand what we can do differently. Then we can go to others and ask them to do the same.
1: When he held up the mirror to himself, Kunal didn't like what he saw.
2: Do you know you when you move back from a place like England and you've worked in, in a very different culture, I moved back with a bit of a I would say a little bit of an attitude. I was, I was quite aggressive in terms of just how I wanted things to be done. I wanted things to be done at pace. That's a mindset I had. And that's one of the biggest mistakes I made in my early days as CEO was that, as I mentioned, I tried to, I tried to almost buy culture. I tried to bring culture. What I didn't realize was that the leadership journey is just as important. And for me, that's actually something that I've continued to work on. I mean, we, we did the 12 months within the business, but now it's been more around my journey and my development. So it's been how do I just become a better leader? How do I become more effective? How do I build capacity? How do I empower people? How do I become more empathetic? So there's there's so many qualities that I'm learning to develop and not just the technical side of things. It's more around the essence of being a good leader.
0: You know, one of the articles that I give a client before we start is an HBR article on, are you ready to be coached? Because this is exactly it. You're going to have to unlearn and relearn a lot of behaviors, the mindset, the communication style. And so inherent in that is also, it's going to be uncomfortable. I had a client say, "Lori, this is intense, and it is. Now, we will take the pace that the client sets. But it's not easy, which is why without a coach, without an accountability partner, we fall back into old patterns, old behaviors, doing things that we have the highest level of comfort in. But that's not necessarily what your team needs, and it's certainly not what the business needs. And what you're looking for is progress, but it's incremental progress. I'm never going to expect, in that example, a leader to go in for the first time, completely change the way they think and behave in its entirety. And that if it is really intense and if it is uncomfortable, we have to respect that and allow them the time to work through it.
1: The kind of cultural change that Kunal was pursuing takes time
0: because you have to bring everyone along with you. You can't coach the leader and neglect the team members just like you can't coach the team members and neglect the leader because it's a relationship. Be honest with your team. If you are going along a leadership journey and you're transforming yourself as a leader, tell them. Because guess what, Darius? If you don't and your behavior all of a sudden changes, the way you act, the way you communicate, they're going to know something's up, right? And then you're going to leave them to guess what's going on. So for example, this client You know, if the client's name was Lori, they would say, they said, team, I'm working on my Lori 2.0. Lori 1.0 got us this far, but I'm working on Lori 2.0 to get us to the next level. And that's my commitment to you. That is big and it's real and it's very impactful to the team because the only way that they're going to change is if they see you changing. And you taking that risk and you going through the discomfort and you being scared as a leader. That's the only way they're going to do it if you ask them to.
1: How does the leader and how does the coach, first of all, explain to the team what what the coach is doing there and get them comfortable with the coach being in the room over and over again, you know, observing them uh, do their thing?
2: There
0: is A timeline and a sequence of steps to this. I do need to meet the team members. I do need to develop a relationship with them, independent of the leader. It's important that they know me and they don't know me just in context of being with him or her, but they understand who I am as a person, what my role is. Because if I don't do that, to your point, they wonder, well, why is she here? What is she doing?
1: Yeah, is she checking on us? <laughs> right, know, right. Am, is, is, am I going to get a report card from
0: this person and then get fired? Absolutely. So you do have to develop those relationships first in order to really sit in and have that type of honest behavior and communication.
1: When Kunal introduced Laurie to his team, their reaction surprised him.
2: So I think my heads of department were very excited
1: They said, oh my God, Kunal, you need a coach so bad.
2: (laughs) Yeah, trust me. I think there's some truth behind that. I mean, I think they were excited because there was someone that's coming in that was going to potentially break the norm, you know, change the way we think.
1: You know, it occurred to me that if no one knows why you're there, it's weird to have you in the room. If they know why you're there, you might actually be the physical embodiment of the leader's commitment to change or to at least self-reflection. So in some sense, you're creating a permission structure. Oh, he's paying this person to be here and listen to us. So let's, let's do it.
0: I think that's true. I think there's a sense of empowerment that individuals feel if they see that sense of commitment from the top.
1: This mix of operations and relations is what makes coaching so beneficial. Any HR consultant can fly in and set up a process, but often that process only treats a symptom of the dysfunction, and so it fails to stick. A coach has the time and the context to address the actual root cause.
0: For example, we go back to the complaint that most leaders have, my team isn't doing enough, right? So my question is, Do you know the true capacity and capability of your team? No, I don't know. How are you going to figure that out? So then we discuss, perhaps the only way you're gonna figure that out is to give an individual more and more responsibility until you see them fail. Then maybe you know that at this point in time, this is their true capability. And then you know, okay, here's training, here's support, here's mentoring I need to provide in order to move them to the next level. Now, in order for me to do that, I have to let go as a leader and I have to be willing to accept that at some point they may fail. And how do I get comfortable doing that?
1: At Healthy You, these strengthened relationships established more trust up and down the corporate ladder. And that improved accountability and made systems of delegation possible. Just imagine this happening at the company Kunal described 10 minutes ago. How, how did you communicate this strategy of growing the business?
2: So, the first thing we did was we created a more, a more top down instead of a bottom up approach to all the HODs.
1: Sorry, HOD is head of department? Head of department,
2: Heads of department yeah. We call them into a room, we show them the T-Plan and what the next three to five years look like. And then we ask them each to go back, have a think about the ambitious goals that we'd set, and to then come up with their own strategies based on their own departments. We then had monthly meetings where we started to now share numbers with them. So before we never used to share any top line numbers with them. And so they would never know how well the business was doing until the end of the year. This way they knew how well the business was performing or how the business was not performing on a month-to-month basis. And, the, and so they were able to now give their insights on how they could improve from their point of view. And then in the following year, because I took over the beginning of 2019, and in 2020, they started to now create their own budgets. So they were now given a budget and they were told, okay, this is your spend for the year, create a roadmap. And so what we started to do was to try to create more inclusivity in the decision-making process. And so that's when they bought more into the strategy.
1: I really liked the idea that each head of department has visibility to how the business is doing, but also has to come up with their own strategy to address the company-level goals. I think that is super empowering, right? First of all, having the data to understand what's going on, and also to have the ability to make their own decisions within it. Kunal was making progress. By this time, he'd proven he was a capable leader, and he'd succeeded his mother as CEO. But not everyone was on board with his bold new vision for Healthy You.
2: One of the major challenges we faced was, when I took over as CEO, we had zero growth in the first year. Because there was so much infighting. There was almost two factions created within the business. Canal's team and there was my mom's team. So my mom's team was the older sort of generation, the older team that had been there for a number of years. And there was this new team that I was building, that I was now bringing in you know, a new head of quality, for example, because I felt like that was such a critical part to our business. I went and hired from places like DHL and thought, great, I'll bring in an operations guy from DHL and he'll bring in this great processes and structure and etc. And what I realized was that he was coming into a place where no one wanted to support him, so he felt very abandoned. So I had a few resignations here, or a few resignations there, and and of course you had a lot of the older staff kind of just sitting back and saying, yeah, okay, fine, you know, you guys think you know it all. Prove it. Prove it, basically, yeah. You know, there have been people that have been sitting in the business for 20 years. These are people that have grown with the business, that have been instrumental in helping um, my mother take it to the next level. And here I am, coming from a transformation program and trying to change culture, trying to change mindsets, because I feel like what's going to be relevant in five years' time. So I wasn't looking at short-term thinking, I was thinking about more long-term. So you could see that there's a, there a bit of a divide. And so what that meant was that as much as you had this wonderful strategy in place and you had all these processes put in, people didn't know who to follow. Was Lori
1: also in the room with the executive team? You know, Did the executive team welcome her into their meetings so she could observe and hear their own deliberations? And did she also work with specific members of the executive team?
2: She did, yeah. She actually attended all of our board meetings once a month. And she was privy to numbers, she was privy to conversations, she was privy to arguments. She saw us at our best and at our worst. And she also had a sit down with each individual member. And of course, they voiced their opinions as well about just the way the business is running and about the culture of the business and where they thought that the business was supposed to be heading. So they definitely had their their bit of her as well, or their part of her. What she actually helped me identify was people's behaviors, their roles, and I guess what we required in the business. And it kind of also, it coupled up with my thought process as well. So it gave me the confidence to make certain changes. And so we made some some really difficult choices.
1: These changes even caused tension within Kunal's family.
2: I had a few difficult moments with my mom. you got to understand that my mom has built a business that is... Um, that has done well. And that has, you know, at that point is sitting with multiple branches. And now you have someone in myself and a coach coming in to rattle the cage and to now change the way that she's operated for 20 years. One of the reasons why I opted and elected to have a business coach was because I felt like I didn't only need assistance with certain areas of the business, but it was more around my own personal development. I didn't feel that I was good enough or that I was the right person to fill my mom's shoes.
1: I've heard you use the phrase before, the emotional runway. I know what
0: a financial runway is. What's an emotional runway? This is such an important part of being a coach. Really, it's about... The energy and the passion that you have to continue to move the business forward. Because it is difficult as an entrepreneur. There's always challenges. Everyone is bringing you their problems to solve. They're always giving you reasons why something won't work. And so, because it's lonely, and because, and especially in emerging markets, there's so many things outside of your control. Emotional runway is how much energy do you have available to draw on to move things forward and address these challenges? And
1: presumably, it's a direct function of your passion for what you're doing or what problem you're trying to solve with your
0: business. I think that's part of it. And I also think within the business, while you're running the business, are you focused on the things that are most interesting to you and give you enough energy? So I think it's a combination of both.
1: So you become CEO 2019, zero growth, huge infighting. You bring in new hires, they don't feel supported, they're undermined, they quit. What did that do to your self-confidence?
2: That's one of the times when I started doubting myself. And I remember um, just trying to figure out how do I get myself out of this? How do I make sure that, um, that I can do this? And so, like I mentioned, you know, having someone like Lori around me, having a extremely strong, I had, you know, my wife around me as well at that time, you know, someone that really supported me. And she also said to me that, look, you are doing the right things. You are putting the right structures in place. You are putting the right processes in place. So just keep at it. It'll work out.
1: This is another reason that coaches are so beneficial. They're in your corner when things get tough. Coaching is a vulnerable process, right? I mean, these sound like really difficult times and difficult emotions. I mean, did you feel like you could share all of your feelings with the Lori? Was that the type of relationship you guys were able to establish?
2: Absolutely, yeah. Because I knew that it stayed in that inner circle. I knew that she's not going to go out there. She's one person that I can fully trust. But she'd hold me accountable. She would explain to me that you're not the only one in this journey that there are so many people that go through this journey. She would set up a platform for me to sort of also network with like-minded individuals. So not only are you having conversations with your coach, but now you're also speaking to people that are going through that journey. And where Lori really helped me was she kept me honest. She kept me on the path and she kept telling me that, you know, keep persevering. That change is tough at the beginning, messy in the middle, but beautiful at the end. You just have to keep going, but you'll get there eventually.
0: And one of the things that I didn't bring up, but I find is a really big part of my role as a coach, is being a cheerleader. When things are good, I'm celebrating with them. When things are bad, I'm commiserating, I'm empathizing. And when is the last time you heard someone say, I'm proud of you. I say that all the time to my clients because they're willing to go on the journey, they're willing to reflect, they're willing to change, and they're willing to be rare and raw and do it in front of me and do it in front of their team. And they're solving difficult problems in running their business. And I'm proud of these clients. And I want them to be proud of themselves Laurie's support helped Kunal through the tough times.
1: Now, not long after their year of zero growth, he believes that Healthy You is ready to scale.
2: Yeah, I think I've got, I've got a good executive team. I've got great heads of department. We've put some really good structure in place. And yeah, I mean, at present, the way the business is, is operating, it's in a good place. And it's in a place where we're ready to now really go to the next level, really scale.
1: So tell me about your scaling ambitions. You have two shops in Uganda, most of your retail outlets are in Kenya. What's next?
2: So our vision is to be pioneers in health and wellness across Africa. And so I don't take that statement very lightly. So we're now pursuing distribution in Tanzania and Rwanda.
1: Health and wellness leader across the continent means what? Like, give me your 10-year number.
2: (laughs) Over 300 million.
1: Kunal credits much of his company's growth and his own, to the work that he's done with Laurie.
2: I think if you were to ask me why get a coach, acting as a sounding board, helps you develop leadership skills, helps you become a better listener, a more effective communicator, teaches you how and when to delegate. I think that is such a critical skill set that a lot of leaders need to learn and develop. Gives you lots of different perspective, challenges the way you think, especially the norms, makes you think out of the box, Provides insights on ideas and strategy Motivates you, inspires you, encourages you But also keeps you honest And I think the biggest part for me is that after every session I feel as though weight has been lifted off my shoulders I walk in there sometimes and I feel like this is tough It's hard to keep going And you know we have our, our conversations and I feel so much lighter So it's something that I'm going to continue doing For the foreseeable future, because I feel like as much as you can say that you've learned enough, I still feel like there's so much more development left.
1: Of course, Lori doesn't take credit for all of Kunal's growth.
0: Each individual is creative, resourceful, and whole. And what that means fundamentally is that the answers come from within the client. It's our job to draw them out. And so we have these different tools that we use to support the client in doing that. Because ultimately, many of my clients, when they go through this journey, they understand that being a leader isn't how much they've accomplished, but it's who they have become as a person. And that's the change in mindset that moves things forward.
1: And what role does your mother play in the business now?
2: As a founder, as my mother, she's always going to be... um the one that's going to be my mentor.
1: Some sort of a boss.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it goes without saying, there doesn't have to be any lines or anything like that. And, and, you know, I respect that. I respect her. I respect what she's done for the business and and, and I value her mentorship.
1: But you've earned her confidence and she can relax now that you're CEO. You feel that she's comfortable.
2: I mean, she's away from town as we speak and she's not had to worry at all about the business. So yeah, she's certainly got to a good place now.
1: And can you take your two week vacation without your laptop? I can. Being a business leader can be difficult and disorienting. Even with a solid strategy, you're often stumbling around in the dark. The problems you don't know how to solve can fester and grow. It's no wonder that founders and CEOs sometimes lose confidence. Coaches can help with all of that. And while it isn't a quick fix, Coaching can be deeply transformative to both you and your business. Coaches help you diagnose and treat the underlying issues that are holding you back. They get to know your people intimately so that the team grows with you. And whether times are good or bad, coaches are there for moral and emotional support, which is so often lacking for entrepreneurs. This work isn't just transformative for the business owner. Lori has been a seed coach since 2018. And she's told me privately that it's been one of the most impactful experiences of her life. And now you have that opportunity, too. Stanford Seed is currently accepting applications for new seed coaches. As a coach, you would join an elite group of accomplished professionals who work on the ground to help leaders transform their businesses. If you are interested in creating meaningful change for companies and communities in Africa and South Asia, then visit stanfordseed.co forward slash coaching. To learn more. I want to thank Kunal Raj and Lori Fuller for sharing their sometimes deeply personal story. Lori will be joining us again later in the season, so stay tuned for more coaching insights. This has been Grit and Growth from the Stanford Graduate School of Business. I'm your host, Darius Teeter. If you like this episode, follow us and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Erica Amawake Ajay and VN Virgin researched and developed content for this episode. Kendra Gladich is our production coordinator and our executive producer is Tiffany Steves with writing and production from Andrew Gannum and sound design and mixing by Alex Bennett at Lower Street Media. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back soon with another episode.